Discord and out. All in audio a little loud, a little loud, but welcome to the All In Audio Experience. I uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks appreciate for having you. me. Yes, sir. Appreciate you for coming through. So today we got Reggie, the owner of What's Happening. Bruh. Did I say it correctly? Actually, uh, What's Happening is the hashtag. It's Nathan Mason. Oh, Nathan Mason I'm tripping. I'm tripping. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. The owner of Nathan Mason hats. We ain't even going to edit that out. I'm going to take that one to the head. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, but What's Happening, no. What's Happening, no. Yes, sir. Nothing much. So yeah, also I've been seeing this a lot, aka one man mini hat. So that's, yes, sir. that's yep. dope. Yep, 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 absolutely. So you are y'all was just talking about where you're from. So you are originally from Huntsville. I am. I am. I'm originally from Huntsville. I am a Huntsvillian. I uh, was raised in Huntsville, went to school here. Up until my very, very last year, I'm still traumatized by that because my mom decided <laughs> to move in my very, you know, senior year, man. Like, what you mean we moving? Yeah. So from there, I moved to Oklahoma, uh, spent about 11 years uh, in Tulsa, and then from there, I moved to D.C. Yeah, I was about to get into that. How'd you get into D.C.? Because that's where Nathan Mason had started, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so um, I actually, <laughs> funny story, I actually uh, went there on the invite from my brother. Okay. Living there at the time, who actually invited me up for my birthday, and then from there, um, you know, it was the summer of August, and all I gotta say is, from there, that very first uh, evening that we decided to go out to DC streets, I decided that I would make DC home. Okay. Dude, okay. <laughs> Chocolate City, Okay. I mean, pretty much, man. So you know, but it, but. What the amazing part about it was actually that kind of fueled my entrepreneurship because I saw and met so many black people who were successful, who mm. were great, who had government jobs, who had businesses and doctors and lawyers. And I never really experienced that, you know, uh, unfortunately being here and being in Oklahoma as well. Yeah. Um, not saying that there aren't any here, but I just never experienced so many in one place at one time. So that really inspired me and really inspired my entrepreneurship. That's dope. I had a moment like that the first time I went to Atlanta. I was like, Yeah, yeah, right. Everybody right. winning. <laughs> I, I like this. But all right. Yeah, the numbers, like, it's just the, the population, the demographic is so different. So yeah, it's, um, it's a blessing to see that, you know, to go to Atlanta or to go to D.C. and see how different it is from your hometown, especially if you in the deep south. Um, so yeah, that's a blessing for sure. Um, so you said you were in Oklahoma for another 11 years. So, um, were you in college in Oklahoma? Um, why were you, I guess, still there for 11 years after your senior year? Well, so, um, like I said, my mom moved us there. So it was just me and her. Um, we moved there. She went there to to attend. Uh, or Roberts University. I don't know if you heard of that. But oh, Robert, yeah. yeah. They were yeah. just hooping. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, or Roberts University. And um, and so after that, that's when I uh, had met my uh, uh, well, first and I'll say first and only wife. Um, you got to get that so, Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't been married since, but I was young. I was like 19, you know, so I met mm. uh, my, 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 my first and only wife, who was the mother of my oldest child. Um, and so that's really how I ended up staying. Um, but also, um, I, um, again, you know, I, I, one of the things about me is that I always felt that I would be an entrepreneur. 
So one of the pluses and benefits of Oklahoma was that I actually met uh, a gentleman uh, who was African-American, um, and he owned a security company. And so he pretty much took me under his wing, and um, he was a business owner. Um, he was actually transitioning from corporate into being a business owner, and he actually, actually asked me to come on and be his operations manager. Okay. And so that kind of gave me gave me a first hand on on how business operates because I didn't know anything. Um, there wasn't much that he could tell me because he was just starting. So we both kind of, you know, he 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 definitely talked me about you know some of the, the the business and management piece of it. But as far as just operating a whole company as a whole, uh, we were both trying to figure that out. Mm. Uh, but one of the biggest lessons that he taught me is that, you know, people don't always do business. Uh, with you because you have the best product, they do business with you because of their relationship with you. Because you're going to always mess up your product. You're going to always mess up service for the most part, unless you're Chick Fil A. But um, other than <laughs> <Nice>. that, <laughs> but other than that, you know, you're going to pretty much, you know, you may have a bad product every once in a while. You may have bad service, but because they have a relationship with you, you can navigate through that, and they'll give yeah. you another chance and another opportunity. Um, just because of their relationship with you. And that really, really taught me uh, a lesson early on as I started my entrepreneurship. For those listening, that's the gym. That's the importance of mentorship. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, I feel like one thing we've learned, like, early in this business thing is, like, trust is, like, a big thing. There's so much stuff going on. The people you deal with, you don't have to want to have to worry if they, like, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So, so okay, go ahead. My bad. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to, I know, like, since you moved to Oklahoma, was, I guess, the stories of Black Wall Street, was that mm -hmm. some things that, you know, you heard about, or was that something you already knew about before moving there? Is that something that's emphasized in Oklahoma at all? Yeah, absolutely. Even 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 when, um, you know, I was there, it was talked about quite a bit. And, and I tell you, the difference between uh, then and now is social media. You know, okay. and we didn't have social media kicking like that back in the, you know, back then when I first moved there and they were talking about it because those people have actually been fighting for many, many years to get that type of exposure to make the, the Tulsa race riots known. But I had no idea about it until I moved there. Um, ironically, the same security company I was talking about, we end up getting a, a contract for that area. Okay. So I was real familiar with the area and um, just how um, to see you know, old pictures of it to see how it had grown and how, you know, they were still struggling. It was just like a, a it was just a, a really just a small strip as a street of businesses that were black owned. But, you know, come to find out that we, there, you know, we had owned, and I say we, <laughs> you know, we had owned quite a bit of the property in that area, but it was just, you know, their, their way of giving back to us was just giving us that street, giving us that block. And so it was really, um, um, it was really profound for one to be, you know, in the midst of that and to know where that was and to know where that, where that what occurred or where that occurred, but to really see uh, some of the, the pictures and, and hear about it um, was, was really, really amazing just about how uh, profitable and how uh, prosperous um, that block or that area was back at that time. Um, but it's, you know, it's great to see that they're getting the exposure now that they really, really deserve. That's dope. Yep. And so, I guess, pushing forward, uh, going back into, like, I guess your history experience with hats, you mentioned to me, like, you know a little history about hats as well. Mm -hmm. 
So I just wanted you to speak on that. And like, before we get into like your uh, personal experience with hats and how you got into it, like just speak on some of the experience or like the history about hats that you, you know, got. Yeah, so, you know, with, with doing, continuing to do ton, tons of research, but we're doing some research, you know, we, we uh, you know, hats were something, was something that we wore uh, way back in the day, you know, even mm-hmm. even when we were uh, slaves and slaves had hats uh, on working in sun or were allowed to have them, uh, we were rocking them back that far. But fast forward to the days where we were talking about the 60s and the 70s where we were get real creased up. Yeah. You know, back back in those days, I'm a little bit older than y'all, but uh, but just seeing some of the admiring some of the pictures where you know there were, were there were there was a time in history where a man didn't leave out the house with a hat nor a woman. You know, they were just rocking hats all the time. You know okay. what I mean? It was it was definitely a staple, along with you know their suit and their dressed and like you know not just they didn't only just get dressed to go to to, to church or, or work they yeah. dressed to walk out the door okay. you know what i mean yeah. they yeah. you know what i mean so um it, it's definitely staple staple piece especially for our culture but for a lot of the cultures and then um you know it, it was sort of a, a a lost uh fashion uh statement for mm-hmm. quite some time for many years and uh you know i don't know exactly what happened i still would like to figure out what happened you seen uh, our generation messed this up. Well, well, no. I think what happened. Anyway, I was just about to say it, the light bulb just came on. I think disco happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, So we was and during the disco era. You know, we was trying to show our hair. You know, the the, the afros was out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I think that's exactly what happened, man. So, that makes sense because like the '50s, '60s, they was coming out the house sharp. You know, right, they was coming out. You know, right, how girl right. would say he was sharp, and yeah. then they show had the big old fro <laughs> for like a good. And then the Jerry curls around yeah, with my mama, and then was <laughs> right, right. So yeah. I, I think that you know the the Jerry curl and the, and all the sheen and stuff they was putting in the hair maybe didn't gel too well with the hats because nah. it, it it would definitely slide you know, off your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, that or just you know mess it up. You know, you know with the chemicals, chemicals and stuff like that. So that's kind of my theory right now as we talk through it. I don't okay. know if that's the case, but but yeah, man. So then you know time moved on, and I think. Um, um, you know, it just, you know, slowly and surely, you know, the, 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 the culture of hat wearing just started coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember rocking them in middle and in, in high school just because for me it was an insecurity, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I had, you know, these rows in my head as a, as a, a large child. Um, and, and then I had these rows in my head that I wanted to, to hide. And then, you know, back in those days, they wouldn't let you wear hats in school. So, some, uh, yeah, yeah. They you know. still wouldn't when, when I was coming up. <laughs> right, right, right. So, there was a struggle there at times. But whenever I had the free chance to wear it, I would wear it. But, um, and then, so, you know, as time moved on and I, you know, moved into an, uh, in my adult life, um, it was just something that I stayed with. It was just something that, that I, I, I liked. Um, different kinds of hats, but particularly, definitely the fedora style. Um, and I always used to uh, try to copy myself off of LL Cool J, okay. who I found out later the reason why he wore a hat because he was ashamed of his head oh, okay. and the shape of his head. Like that was the reason why he started wearing hats. I'll be honest, I've never seen him with hair. <laughs> right, right. And, and and that piece, like he had hair when he was, you know, when he was younger when okay. he first came out. But but yeah, it wasn't because of he didn't have hair. It was because of the shape. Of, oh, he didn't, okay. He didn't like the shape of his head. Oh, um, and so because I know that. yeah, yeah, and I and I you know did some research on that and, and and studied that. But 
you know, fast forward, you know, now, you know, they, they cut him that check and they was like, you can't wear these hats though. <laughs> you know, I guess he decided that, you know, that check was more important or, or he just got over his insecurity. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say it's just about the money, but, but that was his reason early on. Um, but for me, I grew out of that too. You know, I got to the point to where I grew into those, those roles in my head. And so it wasn't uh, a big deal to me, but I stayed with the fashion and the statement piece of, uh, of just wanting to, to, to rock a hat. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. So I guess like we can kind of, since we're about to go into the company and the business, you spoke on being inspired to become an entrepreneur. Um, was there any people, I guess, family or anyone that kind of inspired that? Or was that just something that you had within you? Um, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it was definitely something. What I did know, I didn't know was entrepreneurship. What I knew was that I didn't want to work for anybody else and make them money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and what yeah. I didn't know was that the people who I, you know, because I had to get a job, I would always be, that would be my thought when I was working for them. Whatever I'm doing right now, I could be doing for myself. Whatever money I'm making for them, I can definitely be making for myself. Yeah. And so that was always something that was in me. I never knew it was entrepreneurship. I was just like, I don't want to be making nobody else no money. It's that common sense thing. That's right. like you can lose it if you get trapped in the system. Yeah. But it's like nobody is like I could be getting like double my worth if yeah. I just work do yeah. it for me. Yeah, and then too, you know, also I could be doing what I love. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time what that was. I just, for a fact, I knew I didn't want to work for nobody else. However. Um, one of the things that did inspire me was like I had an aunt who had a daycare and had had one for years, mm-hmm. you know. So to see her be able to, you know, have her own, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though it was a daycare, not meaning that I wanted to get into a daycare, but it was just like seeing her yeah. owning her own business. Her name was on that daycare. Um, my sister, um, she's had her own accounting business for almost 30 plus or so years right that was the one that was in here helping yeah, out yeah i can tell she's an accountant she's about her details yeah, man absolutely <laughs> absolutely and so seeing her um you know be inspired you know she worked for somebody for a couple of years learned the business and i don't i'm pretty sure, yeah accounting wasn't even her major <laughs> you know what i mean you it's a I mean? mindset Accounting is my minor, and I promise you, as soon as I get enough money, I will not touch my taxes ever again. I couldn't stand it. It's not my thing. It's not my thing at all. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's a mindset. Yeah, yeah, man. No doubt, no doubt. And so, yeah, so, you know, know, she inspired me. Both of them inspired me. Um, And then, like I said, moving to Oklahoma and seeing a black man and helping a black man build a business, you know, that really, really helped um, inspire me, you know, because – what I started doing, even though I was working for him, I started a security company myself in the midst of working for him. And Ooh. I basically had uh, guys that were working the club. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But the thing about it was what I brought to the club environment was uniformed uh, uh, in management. Whereas, you know, you might see the, the, the bouncer with the half-faded, dirty security shirt on. Mm-hmm. I went and bought polo shirts. You know, everybody wear the same pants. Everybody wear the same shoes. Professional. Everybody have the same radios. You know, just make sure our badges are in place. You know, so things like that. And so I got recognized for that. And so all of the different clubs and even even other special events started calling me because that's what they saw. They saw organization. They started. They saw uniformity. 
and they saw, uh, you know, good management skills, you know what I mean? Um, and they saw people arriving to work on time, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and things like that. So, um, you know, even from then, even, even from that, I learned um, early on to just about, you know, management and building relationships with people and stuff like that. Did that come natural to you, like going from, like, working for people to, like, um, being the one in charge to a certain extent and, like, giving, like, a... Because, you know, that's kind of hard for some people. Like, you don't want to be that guy or something. But you got to, like, kind of tell people, hey, I want it done this way. Was that hard for you or did that come more natural to you? Well, it came natural to me because even when I was working for other companies, I held some level of a supervisory or management position. Okay. So, and, and it, well, I'll say this. If I didn't start there, I ended up getting, you know, okay. a position, you know, where I was supervising or managing. Uh, because I just had a good work ethic, you know what I mean, at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, honestly, it, it, it was just something that I naturally, you know, although I may have been unhappy at the job, mm -hmm. um, I still wanted to, you know, uh, represent uh, my, I knew I was representing myself. I knew I was building good work ethic mm -hmm. and I wanted to show them um, that I was worth um, them paying me more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I just did it naturally and, you know, uh, it wasn't even about showing them or about the money. It was just principle. Was, yeah, exactly. It was principle. Exactly. Um, so it just kind of naturally happened. Yeah. Okay. That's dope. I feel like that's a, a trait I've noticed with even like uh, people I've seen like who make it to higher levels. It's like even when they was doing something they did not like, it was certain in them that would not let them just not give their best. Mm -hmm. You know. Yep. So that's yep. that's pretty yep. great. And, and one, one other thing, too, I want to add from that is that, especially in the security uh, um, area, um, even when I worked in the field as a security officer, um, I would always uh, have a high standard. You know what I mean? You weren't mm -hmm. going to catch me sleeping on a job. You wasn't going to, you know, I always greeted people, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. You, wasn't, you weren't going to catch me coming to work looking dingy and having old, smelly, you know, uh, security shirts from a couple of days ago. And so from that, you know, I literally had people who would try to hire me on the spot to come to their building or their mm. place. Um, uh, other security companies would come and, you know, and try to, you know, just because they might have been passing through uh, going to a building or, 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 you know, through my building for some reason. Um, but they would recognize that and they would see that and they would be like, I want that where I'm at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, other building managers, you know, and stuff like that. And so... What I tried to do was, do, when I became a manager, I just basically tried to duplicate myself. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's gonna come back on me. You know, there was a time where I was um, supervising, I had eight supervisors and almost 130 officers. You know what I mean? And so that was, um, I, I, I told my people, my supervisors is that I'm gonna train you all to replace me. Because there's gonna be a time where I may go and you know be hired somewhere else or move up and they're going to ask me, who am I going to choose to replace me? You know what I mean? And I would let them, you know, I would give them the the, the option of, you know, do you want to learn the things that I uh, know? Mm -hmm. Some would be like, no, I'm comfortable. I'm cool where I'm at. You know what I mean? And I'm okay with that. And others would be like, yeah, when that opportunity knocks, I want to be ready. Yeah. So, it was, you know, spend as much time with me as you possibly can. Is that something you want to do here as far as, like, um, as, as you grow? Do you want to get to the point where, like, you have people that can do your job and you know you just got your free time or do because I noticed you love making hats. So mm. do you want to let go to that extent or are you gonna always be in here making hats to a certain extent? 
Uh, I was talking to a guy yesterday about that. Okay. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm 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 ready more for more so because you know I still live in DC. You know what okay. I mean. I still have a family in DC, and so um, I definitely want uh, to identify somebody that can you know do some of the jobs as simple as as blocking the hats. That's a that's a time saver. You know that's a that's a really heavy part of uh, of the business, and so just identifying somebody who could block some hats. Um, is is a big so, step. When, so what is? I know you got more to say, but what is blocking? Go ahead and give that definition for some people that might not know. Yeah, so blocking hats is is where we will once we get a person's head size, and that's pretty much the start of the process is getting an exact head size. We will take that head size and compare it to uh, a block, which is a hat block. Um, and that is what will make the shape of the hat. That's that's what will make the mold out of the raw fur felt that we use to make the hat. And so that's called blocking the hat. We will take that uh, raw felt, put it over that hat block. Um, after we steam it and stretch it, um, tie it down with, with a hat block tie and let that dry for anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. And so, um, you know, that's really, again, that's the that's, – a heavy part of the work, uh, most part of the work, is hat blocking. And if you guys want to see a visual presentation, come down to Parkway Place Mall, come to the pop-ups, because you got some more planned, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We got some more planned. Uh, we got another Hattie Hour coming up, um, you know, this Thursday. And actually, every Thursday until we leave here, we're going to have a Hattie Hour. That's the plan. Okay. Um, and then, you know, um, ironically, uh, a couple of hours ago, we met with um, Parkway Place Mall, Park Place Mall, and we are going to extend through the holidays. Sounds good. We're going to be here for a while. All right, we're going to section that out. We're going to put something out. Uh, Can we go back a little bit and kind of just give that story of how you got, you you shifted from, like, just having fun with making hats to actually want to make a business? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I I, I originally wanted to make hats because I wanted to, uh, I couldn't find any that were my, uh, style at times, meaning like I just wanted to something different than the black and the brown, mm-hmm. right? And so I wanted some other colors. I wanted some different shapes. And so um, I wanted to, um, you know, create. I wanted to figure out how to make hats so I could make my own um, because the ones that I, you know, I couldn't even find any online at that time that were, you know, um, worth buying, shall I say. Um, and so I just wanted to, you know, start making and creating my own. And so I sought out a milliner in D.C., and he actually, you know, showed me how to make my first hat. And he showed me how important steam was to making a hat. And actually, the first hat I ever made, uh, well, with him, or he showed me, was actually a straw hat. Okay. And so I saw, um, you know, him just shape this hat in front of me just using steam. And I was just like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, that's all it takes is, is steam and, uh, and, and a hat block, you know, so... Um, from there, um, I, I, I studied with him for a little while longer, and then some for some reason he just disappeared. Um, still <laughs> I don't know you said what, that. how that happened. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I, you know, I remember sharing my dreams and my goals with him. And sometimes people are intimidated by that. And I don't know if that's the case, um, but I know that you know he used to have a hat shop and he doesn't anymore. So that may that may may be a reason for that. However, um, after that. Um, after becoming a little bit frustrated with that situation because there was still so much that I wanted to learn about hat Mm. making, um, I sought out the place that everybody uh, seeks for information, and that was the Internet, (laughs) you know what I mean, and YouTube. 
yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what I did, man. And just did tons of research, tons of video watching, um, started reaching out to, you know, some sources and trying to find hat blocks because, you know, hat blocks that were used uh, centuries ago are hard to find. You know, it's like milliners from back in the day, either they stayed a milliner um, up until they died or they passed it on or and or both. And, you know, they pass this on to, you know, their, their children and their children's children um, because these hat blocks, there, there could be walls of these hat blocks because they come in so many different sizes, mm. right, in different shapes. And so... So these, a good hat block is, like, really valuable. Absolutely, it's valuable. It's, it's absolutely mm. valuable. It's like, you know, I tell people, you know, I would, I would um, liken it to, uh, you know, people who, who like, you know, the old school cars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's that it's that costly. Yeah. However, um, they do cost. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean. The original ones they they cost a lot of money, and uh, and if you look them up, you know, under vintage and antique, you'll see that they'll come up because they are. It's like um, artist pieces almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so you know they'll have some wear and tear on them, but those things have been around for centuries old. You know, I have a couple of them here, and uh, I would love to come up come up on a whole stash of them and some of these guys that have um who you know have gotten into it um over the past you know i don't know maybe five to ten years they've either lucked up on it or just you know sought out uh other shops or you know guys who were older and they're kind of on their last leg and then went to them and said you know hey are you willing to sell this or sell the store some of these guys have actually went and bought stores milliner hat shop stores that were once owned by guys that have been in the business for quite some time. And so they inherited these vintage and antique hat blocks with them. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward though to now over the past actually three or four years, I also have hat blocks that were made with 3d technology. Mm-hmm. There was a hat maker. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a hat maker who, who, um, who basically, you know, he couldn't find any hat blocks either, or they were just really expensive, or they they weren't all sets, and so he sought out how to create them in using 3D technology, and he's rich right now because of it. I remember you brought that up earlier. I was like, "Trent gonna love this." Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because now it's uh, you know he he basically found a niche. There was you know quite a few guys that were up-and-coming millionaires and hat makers, and they just mm-hmm. couldn't find, you know, enough equipment. Yeah. And so he found a niche, and the past two, three years, he has done really, really well for himself. And I mean really, really well because everybody hits him up for all What is the products. 3D material, though, that is, like, making um, it? It's a, it's like, it's like a, it's like a plastic. Um, I can't remember exactly what he calls it um, without seeing it and being in front of me, but it's, it's 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 like a recyclable plastic that he mm-hmm. uses um, to make them, and so um, yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty neat, man. Okay. Yeah, I was you know doing a little research on you, and I saw I was like, yeah, both vintage and the three D printed tools, like that is that is dope. Um, do you see yourself buying a three D printer or doing that type of stuff, or are you just going? So the, so, so the crazy thing, man, is that I actually met with the guy that I'm talking about, right? I was like one of his first customers. Mm. And mm-hmm. and he told me how to do it in, in face-to-face, right? And he told me I should get a 3D printer and, you know, 
uh, he would show me how to do it. At the time, I couldn't afford to buy a 3D printer. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, I, and I feel like it's a missed opportunity, to be quite honest with you. It's never too late. Yeah, man. yeah, absolutely. It's never too late. And I and I know that I could figure it out. Uh, but I built such a great relationship with him. He gives me mad discounts. You know what I'm oh, saying? Okay, like, I got you. Like, I got you. And, and the thing is, just having the time to do so. Mm. Um, you know, not, not saying that it won't ever happen. Uh, just right now, it's not something that I want to invest my time in because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm busy building what I have right now. You know. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing as a business owner uh, we learning is like you kind of got to delegate. Absolutely. Like, staying in your lane to a certain extent of yep. just my time's best used at what I'm great at, and yeah. then like resourcing everything yes, out. And, you know, yep. so I can I can definitely see that. Absolutely. What were some of like the early struggles in? The business, like, uh, you know, when you were opening your shop and, like, getting people to come in, getting the word out. What were some of those early struggles that, like, first come to mind? Well, you know, when I first saw this opportunity, you know, um, well, let's let's back up a little bit. You know, working out of my basement, you know, out of my home, um, it was kind of word of mouth. I don't think I really finished my story, but after I started making hats for myself, mm-hmm. people started buying those hats off of me. And then I figured, oh, okay, well, this I can turn this into a business. Mm-hmm. This can be something, you know what I mean? Um, and then, so it just kind of became word of mouth. I started making hats here and there. Um, my first ones were pretty terrible, <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? So thank goodness it was friends that knew me and gave me the opportunities to grow yeah. and, you know, be great because I didn't have, I wasn't using the right material. Uh, I was using wool hats at the time. So it was, it was, a, it was, it was an experience, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? For sure. Um, but definitely, so fast forward to, you know, visiting here in Huntsville and I saw, this space and it just it just I just immediately fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I mean the wood, the the even the the chandelier. It gave me exactly that. You know, it's a classic, but it's uh, sort of a, 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 a full circle kind of moment. You know, it's, it's classic from uh, a modern type of look. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so everything in this space, you know. It was a vision that I had for how my shop would look, you know, mm-hmm. from the wood floors, you know, and stuff like that. And so I knew, I felt immediately that this was my opportunity to take that leap, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I knew I knew Huntsville didn't have a, a hat shop too, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was a niche here and that, you know, there was an opportunity, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a few, quite a few hat shops in Atlanta. Um, I knew people were moving here from D.C., Mm-hmm. We used to rocking hats, you know, and stuff like that, and, and from other areas that were familiar with the hat culture. And so I just took that leap and took that chance, man. And so that first week, um, you know, I just – so the pop-up, you know, they give you the option of, like, a weekend or a week or so. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to need more than a weekend or a week to really get, you know, uh, stir up things and get the word out and get the exposure, mm-hmm. which is why I chose to come for 30 days because I knew it would take more than a week. I knew it would take more than a weekend, yeah. um, and I actually wanted to set up uh, a shop. You know, I had, I was very strategic. I had full intentions on, you know, making hats and making it how it looks right now, so I can get content. Like if I was going to be here for thirty days, I was going to maximize those thirty days, get content. You know, where you know, so people can see me in a shop environment yeah. um, instead of seeing me in my basement. Um, not really knowing what I was going to go from here, but I knew that I was going to get some content or something out of this. Yeah. You know, that's why I put the couches in here, you know, and stuff like that. I really wanted to set it up how I envisioned it would be. Um, so it definitely was a struggle that first week. And, uh, you know, but I expected that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just all part of it. I expected to, you know, 
people to not just come running. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, and I knew there would be some eyebrow raising, like, oh, a hat shop? Uh, you know, like a real hat shop? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I expected yeah. that. And here we are going into the last week. And, you know, business and word of mouth and stuff is picking up. People are coming back who were stopped by the first week, you know, just mm -hmm. to check it out. They're coming back. Their wives are bringing their husbands back. Yeah. You know, the guys are coming back through. The people are, are saying that, you know, they're seeing me on social media. So, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. And I know that it's, it's the moment, it's the time to where I need to stay, stay, stay put, basically. Yeah. Let me fix this camera real quick. My bad. Yeah. I was um, surprised that it was just a, you know, pop-up. You know, I thought you had the whole story. You was, you know, going to stay put for, you know, a long time. But I guess that's your plan to eventually do that yeah yeah you know I, I i wanted to at least you know i wanted to have steps to it you know i wanted to make sure that you know in those 30 days that uh you know i set up and i, I accomplish um you know at least setting up the vision getting the vision that's that was in my head out yeah. you know what i mean and so um and then from there um i figured you know either i'm gonna go back to dc <laughs> you know what i mean and have gained uh, a following uh, yeah. from Huntsville, or I would um, move, you know, in a different spot or a different area here in Huntsville. The the the, the bigger vision was to always open up a store. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, and now, like I said, you know, having a conversation earlier, the 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 mall sees the importance of having us here. Yeah. Um, even as a black-owned business, we talked about that. You know what I mean. So they see the importance in that. Um, you know, they know that, you know, they lost quite a bit of foot traffic um, over the Cold. past, you know, couple of years or so, especially last year with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they also know that, um, you know, people are starting to come back and yeah. starting to come back to the mall. And, you know, people who hadn't been at the mall, you know, some people are coming in our store being like, I hadn't been to the mall in two, three years and I yeah. wouldn't have came if you weren't here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some stuff like that. Um, so they see the importance of having someone here, especially having someone who um, has a vision like I have, because that was one of the first things they said. They said, your marketing and, and, and how you did that store is amazing. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? And so uh, we know that, you know, you're passionate about what you're doing. And, you know, we want you here. You know, we that's the type of business uh, person, owner we want here. Yeah, that's a strategic play. We might have to steal that from you once we launch some products. Because, like, <laughs> coming down just to, like, that face-to-face, -face, you can't lose the face-to-face. -face. Right. Like, we've even had that with podcasting because, you know, we're doing a remote now. But we still like to get in front of people as much as possible. So, you know, the energy, yes. it's a different type of energy transfer. Yeah. But, like, coming down for a month, you know, just getting in the trenches so you can get on the ground with the folks in Huntsville and remind yeah. them, like, I'm from here. Yep. Do you, um, you ever see yourself doing that with Oklahoma, too? Um, yeah, I actually do. Um, I, um, I have a couple of people, because before I came here, um, I went to Oklahoma on Black Wall Street, and I did a demo okay. for a friend who was opening up an event space, mm -hmm. you know, near there. And so, um, you know, it was asked then if I would open up a, open up a store, you know. Mm -hmm. And I saw the potential that while I was there um, and when I was visiting, and definitely the the – uh, the light bulb came on, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> all I need is, is is for, you know, I can just set up the shop, you know what I mean? And then 
just have people, you know, do front of the house work. You okay. know what I mean? Because you know all the the hat making can be done, you know, sort of in the in the back of the house, so to speak. But um, you know, opening up a boutique there is definitely uh, in, in 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 on my radar. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So I guess we can go into I know the meeting, but the name, um, the name of your company. How did that come about? What made you think of that idea? And also the slogan. The slogan is very dope, I think. Um, very catchy as well. Yeah. So uh, the funny thing is my name actually changed three times <laughs> before it was this. So the first okay. the first um, time my name was um, Bespoke of Brims, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. Bespoke. You know, okay. and of course, uh, you know, you have bespoke clothes and things of that nature. So I was like, all right, bespoke hats. You know, nobody's doing that or nobody's calling it that. Uh, but there is a company out called Wear Brims. And so they kind of came out, kind of came around out the same time. They had a very, very uh, powerful marketing campaign. And, you know. Is that the two young uh, yeah, black dudes? Yeah, from, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That went to school there, actually. Yeah, went, actually went to school with my nephew, uh, with my nephew. Um, but yeah, so they're out of Atlanta too. Um, mm-hmm. But they had a very powerful marketing campaign, and you know they came out, and so you know, and I felt like they were kind of before me. So respectfully, I kind of uh, chose to change my name just for that reason. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, because they were doing great stuff. They had great product, um, and so I changed the name to uh, Benny's Hats. Right. And so Benny is actually mm-hmm. back there on the wall. That's my great-great-grandfather. Um, but then, however, what I discovered was that when I put his name out there and changed my name, I spelled it wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm sitting here mess. I can't even I can't even go hard with this because I ended up spelling my great-great-grandfather's <laughs> name. You know what I'm saying? And but you probably like, come on, uh, right, come right, on, right. nephew. Right, right. <laughs> but the thing was, like, you know, of course, he's long, he's long past. Um, but I didn't know much about him until uh, a few years ago. You okay, know I, mean? I got you. Yeah, I got yeah, you. yeah. So I didn't know much about him a few years ago. I'm just like, well, Benny is gonna, it got to be B E N N Y, right? And then I discovered, uh, I can't remember somebody told me, I think my, my mom finally saw, saw it and was like, yeah, you, you spelled that wrong. <laughs> so you like, honey. Like, right, right, right. So I'm, I'm just like, oh, man, I'm going to change this all together. And then, oh, by then, um, you know, my son, my youngest son, you know, he was all, all in my hat shop and wearing my hats. And so um, I wanted to name something after, after him, but uh, alone, which is his middle name is Mason, but I also wanted to include. Uh, my other two sons, um, who are older, which is uh, Nate, uh, Nathaniel and um, Jordan. So basically, mm-hmm. Nathaniel's Nathan. The end of eight, Nathan A N is Jordan, okay. and then Mason is my younger son's name. Gotcha. So I put put a little something together, and uh, you know, to name, make sure that they all their names were included in it. Out of um, out of your sons, who's got the most uh, hat sense? Well, it's going to be my youngest, you know what I mean? Okay. Because he's home with me all the time and he's very interested. And, you know, anybody, you know, you ask him what I do, you know, he's going to tell you I'm a hat maker. Okay, <laughs> you know I, what got I, mean? you. So, I got you. And my other son, he actually lives in Oklahoma with his mother. Um, so he doesn't have many hats, but he knows I'm, a, you know, of course, he knows I'm a hat maker as well. And he has some hats. Okay. Uh, but my youngest, definitely. 
Okay. So he gonna be the one to uh, yeah, take the reins. Right, he right, gonna take right, the reins. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So I meant to ask this a little earlier, but. So you already said you had the security business. Did you have another business before this business and, you know, between the security and now this business? Or is it just those two? Yeah, no, actually I did. Um, so when I moved to D.C., I was um, I was still doing security, but I was also doing some investigative work. So um, my background is in physical security investigations and personal protection. Um, which is when I moved to D.C., that picked up a whole lot. Don't try to steal no hats, y'all. <laughs> Don't try to steal no hats. That's what that means. Right, right, <laughs> right. But, yeah, so D.C., the you know, the personal protection piece picked up a lot because um, it's D.C., you know, so there was all types yeah. of security jobs and personal protection jobs, especially mm-hmm. during the first inauguration of Obama when everybody mm-hmm. was there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I got connected to that and did that for um, a few years. <clears throat> Excuse me, and did that for a few more years, um, and then I transitioned from that into uh, some cyber safety, um, which is a little different from cybersecurity. Cyber safety deals more about um, protecting um, children online, okay. uh, things of that nature. Um, you know, I got into that because of my teenage daughter. Um, I discovered that she was having conversations with people online that I didn't know and she didn't know. So as a father, that greatly yeah. concerned me being, the, being the, with the background that I had. Yeah. So I discovered that there was a whole other world out there that was called an online world mm-hmm. where, you know, kids and, you know, could meet strangers, basically. And so, um, you know, I started a company called Safe Cyber. That was our generation, too. We was, like, that first generation that was really online, online, like, with just, no, like, free reign. What's up, All In family? It is Trent here. What I need you to do is to like, share, save, all that good stuff on all of our platforms. We would greatly appreciate it. If you feel in our content, go ahead and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, on all the other platforms as well. Go ahead and give us that top rating. We would love it. Leave a comment. And, you know, if you're not feeling something, send us a message. Let us know so we can correct things. We appreciate y'all. Now let's get back to the episode with Reggie of Nathan Mason Hats. Yeah, you were telling us about your first or your first business, cyber safety. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's called Safe Cyber, and um, yeah, so I, I I started because of you know my own experience um, with my daughter and um, discovering that she was having conversations online with people that I didn't know and she didn't know, but <clears throat> in that I discovered that there were other parents who also were struggling you know, having those issues with their, their, their kids and being online and meeting strangers. So um, I turned it into a business because people started wanting me to speak about the information that I had learned after doing all the research that I did mm-hmm. um, and discovered online. And so um, I did that for about four or five years um, where I was going around, <clears throat> traveling around to different cities and different youth organizations and talking about that. Okay. It's just like, man, you cranked out a lot of business ideas. It's unique. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind of where the where the name One Man Many Hats came from. <laughs> because, um, you know, I, 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 
I just didn't, you know, if I had a vision or a thought about something, I would, um, you know, I would write it down. I would go lock in the um, the, the website name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, just in case, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and if I don't <clears throat> complete this vision or start this business, somebody else might. And so that way I can sell the name to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I started thinking from that perspective as well. And so, um, you know, there are, you know, quite a bit of ideas and things that, you know, I've thought about over time and, those, and over, and, you know, as, as a younger person. But as I got older, I knew that I need something that was a little bit, well, I'm not even going to say that. I knew that I wanted something, I wanted to put my all into something, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and focus on that for a minute. Yeah. And then after that, start, you know, putting other things up under the umbrella, you know, and up under my belt. Expanding. Yeah, expanding and getting those other residual uh, streams of income, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, and, and I knew that, you know, I wanted to do something that, I enjoy doing and so making hats was it mm-hmm. you know what I mean you know and I ne- never thought in a million years it would be uh, but it is you know finally get that creativity out while yeah you're doing it too. that's it yep exactly finally getting that creativity out so I remember you were distinguishing the difference between a hat maker and a hat designer because there's a lot of hat designers now like, um, you know because it's a lot easier to start a business now than it was back in the day mm-hmm. so like a lot of people are starting to um, get into like designing hats and like getting their brand out there. So can can you tell us a couple of your favorite hat makers and um, you can tell us some of your favorite hat designers too if you want to distinguish them. But you could just tell us some of your oh, favorite. We hat gotta makers. do a top five. Yeah, we, we gotta, gotta do the top five, five but top five, top five, top five. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your favorite hat makers or designers? Um, well, you know, I, I I gotta say it's gonna it's gonna just really be hat makers, you know what I mean? Okay. And those hat makers are going to be designers as well because it's their vision for the most part. Okay. Um, guys like B.M. Franklin out of Atlanta, um, uh, Black Jesse James, he's out of New York. Mm. Um, who else is there? Um, even, even the guys, um, so so there's Nick Fouquet. He, he is like one of the top. Top top guys out of Cali who you know has le, uh, made hats for LeBron okay. and some of those you know other A-listers out there. Um, Asika Hats, which is um, Cam Newton's hat person. Okay, my yeah, oh, boy yeah. Cam be showing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he be yeah, showing exactly. out. Yeah, so that's that's him. And, you know, he he has some hand in Masika um, Hats as well. Um, okay. So, um, <clears throat> and I say my fifth person. Um, Man, who would I put as number five? Uh, ah, uh, it's a young lady out of, out of New York. Um, gosh, what is her? What is her, her her IG name? Funny thing is, she's a hat maker and a realtor. She's good at both. How she finds the time, I don't know. But yeah. she just had her stuff in a, a huge New York fashion show. Uh, oh, that's uh, Big Bang. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, gosh, it starts with a Z, and I probably pronounced it wrong, but I think it's like Zelani or something like that, Zelani Hats or something like that. But okay. major, uh, major, major, yeah. I'll look it up, and we'll put it like yeah, yeah, tapping. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and so, yeah, man, uh, I, I would say those those are my top five, man. 
Um, but it's it's those are the people that show me that um, you know the art of hat making is really it really is an art. Mm-hmm. You know that blank piece of hat that I get when it first comes to me it's like a canvas, mm-hmm. and so I can think of so many things to do with it. You know what I mean? And so um, watching them, seeing their work, um, it just it just inspired me. Like you, this is really limitless. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get as crazy as you want with it. You know, you know, hence Cam Newton type of stuff, or you can get you know something that's simple and clean. You know, as well. So yeah, um, yeah man. But it's it's definitely some. There's hat designers and there's hat makers, and I I, I feel like there's hat makers and hat designers, and I'm both. <clears throat> um, because you got people who will buy these blank hats from Amazon, mm-hmm. mark them up, put designs on them, put feathers on them, put ribbons on them, oh, okay. you know, color you. them. Yeah, you no, know. No, you was doing a lot. Y'all got to come see the presentation because he was going through the whole spill. <laughs> the whole spill, how you like the indentions. Yeah. You got yeah. different styles, the fedora, the gambler. I was listening now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so those, you know, um, those hats that those people buy, they already shape. You know what okay. I mean? What yeah. I do is I do the sh- I, I I I do the shaping, you mm-hmm. know, here and the d- design as well. And so, you know, I'm not knocking the creatives. You know, the the pandemic has produced a lot of creative people because yeah. a lot of people had a lot of times on their hands, yeah. and a lot of people didn't have uh, income or anything like that. Yeah. And so, you know, it created you know, like you said, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners. And there's nothing wrong with that, uh, <clears throat> but um, just I, levels to this right here. Yeah, there yeah. is, there is, yeah. and there are people who come in here expecting me to be that, and I have to, you know, you know, and 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 honestly, there are people who are who have the prices that I have on mm-hmm. some pre-manufactured and pre-made hats. Okay. And I don't know who's buying yeah. them, but apparently somebody is. Um, people that probably just don't know a lot, because like when you was going through it, like you size it towards their head, it's like yeah, customized. Yeah. You hand did like the indentions all that so i'm like i, I see what you're saying like right. why are you making like there's a distinction between the two mm-hmm. for sure yep, yep definitely definitely so you know there 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 is there is a difference and so I, I, what's what is happening though is that like those people are kind of making our our prices well, people are coming in expecting a finished product and a finished hat right away mm-hmm. because of you know the prices that you know those are the those are the people have made their hats right um, because they look like our mm-hmm. hats you know our being hat makers mm-hmm. you know the real hat makers and real hat designers um, and so because they're making them look like that from the factory. People think that they can come in here and get that, yeah. you know, exactly. But they, but but they can, and and you know, and quite a few people have um, confirmed that my prices are pretty on the low end mm-hmm. uh, when they actually should be should be higher. Yeah. Um, but because I know where I'm at, and because you know I want to give Huntsville the opportunity to you know experience you know uh, a custom hat and going mm-hmm. through that process, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm okay with that right now. Yeah. I think it's just Won't the long term. Won't be like that term. forever. But. Yeah. I'm like, I think you just got the long-term play. Because, like, when you do stuff the right way, it might take a little longer. But, like, your mm-hmm. audience is going gonna, gonna to come to you. It's going yeah. to attract to you. And you're just not for the people who don't understand it or not right. really into the, the hats or are going to respect, like, the actual feel and fit of the, 
like a custom made hat. So yeah, exactly. That's something we going through too because we trying to do it the right way. We yeah. trying to do what we doing the right way. So I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess like this is a question we often ask, you know, other entrepreneurs. Um, and a lot of times people, you know, like us, even you got to have something to make you money for your passion. So have you been able to get to that point where your passion, you know, you're making the money off your passion to the point where you don't have to have something else? Um, on the side or do you still have to have something on the side or a main thing to get you the income to you know pay for all of this passion work that you have yeah so uh, I, I am <clears throat> as a matter of fact I, I, I got an email today to do a, a safe cyber presentation in a couple of weeks so I'm still getting those I'm still getting that work you know especially you know during the pandemic where a lot of kids are home with their devices and mm -hmm phones and stuff like that. So, you know, business kind of picked up for me during that time. Um, but because I'm, you know, I've, I've mastered that, it's easy for me to do. Okay. Uh, it's easy for me to do an, uh, an hour presentation and make six or $700. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I just need, you know, every now and then I put myself out there, reach out to some people um and you know get the work that i need to get in order to kind of make it shall i say um but then at the same time you know i do have the hats um that also provide um you know then i have some other things like investments and stuff like that that have helped me um you know make it through as well so um so yeah so to answer that question i do you know i haven't gotten to that point to where you know um i i I don't need the, the business on the side, but even when it, if I get to that point to where I don't need it, I'm probably still going to have it just because um, people know me from that and because I built those relationships. And most of the people that call me for that type of work are people who have already called me for that for that type of work before, and and know that you know if they just call me and reach out to me, um, you know that I'll that I'll uh, be there for them. Do any of those skills transfer over to this business? Like, do you use any of your uh, security work? Like, with I don't know, like just, you know, protecting the business some, or in any aspects? <clears throat> well, I'm going to say, yeah, because it's, you know, it's what I said earlier. It's about the relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. about the customer service. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, it's about being able to, you know, talk to people. <clears throat> Um, you know, being able to greet people when they come in the door, make them feel warm and welcome. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's, people don't know how important that is these days, you know, yeah. and, you know, not speaking on you all's generation, however. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> however, uh, you know, you know, some of the younger generation don't really know how important that customer service is. Yeah. And, but you know what? I don't really blame that on, on them. I blame it on uh, the people that didn't teach them. I blame it on them. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you. it's just like, well, you know, I, I feel like when you have a certain group of people training a certain group of people, like somebody somebody didn't catch something somewhere, you know what I mean, to be able to tell the other person about it. Like, you can't teach somebody what you don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's a little 50-50 because, like, I worked enough jobs, like, and Trent has too, but I worked enough jobs, but, before, like, I um, started going to school and um, enough to, like, when I got, like, done with my, my degree to know that I didn't want to work for somebody else. But also, 
I worked as like a, a server. I worked at Sonic. I worked at a theater. I worked at a summer fun place. I worked this, that, and the other. And I learned that 50% of it is like the people ahead of them weren't teaching them enough. And 50% of them, they didn't have it in them. Because mm-hmm. some people, yeah. like, you just know certain things are wrong or right. You know, like, the person you talking to now ain't got nothing to do with what was going on right, over there. So right, you don't bring right. that over there. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. So when it's a lot about people's attitude, like, you kind of got to, you can't control the outside stuff, but you can control how you treat the next yeah. person. So yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying, but some of them, they just don't get it. Or, like, maybe they went straight to business and they didn't, like, because uh, that's one thing I think, you don't go straight to being an owner. I think you definitely got to learn to do the small things first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before you can graduate to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I see what you're saying. It's definitely, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. It's yeah. a little bit of both. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> and like I said you know, earlier, unless you unless you work for Chick-fil-A, you, ain't, <laughs> you know it's going to be. They ain't playing gonna that. Be, it's going to be hard to get, you know what I'm saying, that customer service warm and fuzzy. Like, you know, <clears throat> It's it's like with Chick Fil A, no matter what city you go in, that's how you know their model is good. No Great. matter what city city you go in, Chick Fil A employees are going to be the same. Yes, you, you, you know what I'm saying. And so it's like whatever and however they train train people, they need to box that up and sell it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. we actually established a culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, established yes, a culture. We actually, when I worked at Sonic, we had the Chick Fil A next door. And when I tell you, it was, like, so opposite, like, looking over, because I would go over there on my break to get some food, going in there and being at Sonic was so opposite. So, like, just to start with their menu, their menu is, like, eight things. It's super simple, straight to the point. We got, like, a you, you ever been to Sonic? There's a thousand I, I, I things on the menu. I hadn't been there in a long time, but I went there the other night, and I'm just like, it's hectic. All I want is. <laughs> it's hectic. Like, the process of ordering takes forever. That you going through this, that, and the other the energy is like every time you come there, you're gonna get a different experience. Yeah. And I'm and they would kill us. They would have folks in our parking lot because their parking lot was full. They was taking up our parking lot so they could walk over to Chick-fil-A. And this is just like the way you run your business, regardless yeah. of the food. Cause Sonic honestly has some good food, some mm. good stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's the experience. Like I know yeah. if I go to Chick-fil-A, they could be packed out to the road. I know I'm gonna get out of there at a decent time. Yeah. No doubt, and and it's funny you say that because my experience with the Sonic that I went to uh, late the other night was that I got my food, my food was hot, and I sat there, and the guy kind of sat there, and he finally opened the door, and I said, uh, he looked at me, didn't say anything, I said, I'm waiting on my drink. And he was like, oh, and then he handed me my, my, my drink. It just handed me my drink. <laughs> he did say, sorry, did say, hey, apologize, my bad. He handed me my drink and shut the window. And I'm just like, it's just man, awkward. this would not happen at Chick-fil-A. No, it is just awkward because it's like. <laughs> it, was like it was my fault. <laughs> it's like, I don't even need a uh, an apology as much as I just need you to not be yeah, awkward right, and weird. Right, like, right, just, right. like, oh, my bad, bro. Yeah, like, you know, something. You know something. What I mean? like, <laughs> like, he opened the window, like, looking at me like, he didn't even say anything, like, what you need? You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you still sitting here? But there's no training. And I was like, the training at Sonic is like, when you get there for the first couple of days, you're on a computer, you go through some courses, and then you get up there and you just learn how to make the drinks and stuff. That's it. That's it. And like, I learned how to make money there because like, I really wanted to make money. I learned how to, you know what I'm saying? I did my thing when I was in there, but it's like, I had to get out of there because the environment was just so just disorganized. But yeah. Yep, that's how it is in a lot of places. Even 
you know, working, having to work at Kroger, you know, at this point, it's just the culture and the environment. You know, you got to try to, you know, there's levels to it and levels of where you are in life. And you just be like, man, why am I still here? Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to continue to work in spaces like that when you know you just on a different level or have a different mindset than the people around you. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, let's go into, because I didn't hear about the process. Jordan know all about the process, oh, yeah. but for the people that don't know, what is the process of making one of your hats? So the process is the first thing we do, we're going to get the exact measurement of your head, right? <clears throat> and then after that, um, you get the you get to to pick your crown style that you like, and we have eight to choose from. Um, and then from there, we'll, you, you'll pick your uh, brim style, um, whether you have, you know, you want a flat brim, an upturned brim, which is a slightly upturned, um, a cowboy curl, or even a pencil curl. So you have four to choose from there. And then you're going to pick, you know, we have almost 30 colors that you can choose from. So you pick your color then, uh, and then after that, we go to our accessories where you'll pick your ribbon style. Um, if you want to add a feather, you can add a feather. Um, you'll pick your leather sweatband that goes inside uh, the hat, um, and then you also pick your satin liner that goes uh, inside the hat as well. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of dress it up if you want, whether, you know, um, you want to add some, uh, suede or leather uh, cording around it, or again, add a feather, um, or even some beading on it, <clears throat> or even even a trinket. Meaning, you know, if you want to put a safety pin in it, if you want to put a uh, a school pin or something like that, you know, any of those type of trinkets that you just want to, you know, uh, add it up and kind of funk it up a little bit. Um, and that's pretty much the process. And, and, you know, from there, you know, I'll start making your hat. Uh, we get, get everything, you know, from the customer that we need in order to, you know, create the hat. Um, and then from there, I'll just, I'll, I'll make it. And then so that's about a two to three day process, just depending. Uh, because, again, I have to steam the hat in order to stretch it, put it over the block of your head size, um, let that dry for 24 to 48 hours. Um, and then after that, I have to cut the brim to size that you chose and then depending on if you want a, a upturned brim or a pencil curl brim, I have to uh, do that as well. And then, you know, then we start putting the ribbon and the trinkets and, you know, the sweatband in and the satin liner in. Um, and then, then the last part would be is shaping the crown uh, to whatever crown style that you chose. Okay. All right. Is there a certain material you like, you know, dealing with the most or is just, you know, all kind of the same for you. You say a certain material to do what now? Is there like a certain material that you like dealing with the most as far as, you know, if someone wants a hat, um, the material that you're making it out of, is there one that you like to deal with the most or it doesn't really matter to you? <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, they're all, once they uh, are steamed, you know, they're all kind of pliable and, and can be shaped and, uh, and and manipulated, you know, however. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really matter to me on, on, on which material a person chooses. Okay. okay. Um, 
I only got one more question, but I'm saving it to the end. So I'm going to let you go, Trent. Oh, you saving it for the end. This must be a grand question. <laughs> no, it's the closeout question. It was a closeout question. Well, okay, okay. Well, I did, you did say you had a podcast uh, back in the day. So what was your podcast about? Um, so my podcast was about um, basically other people who, like hats and war hats. Okay, so it was a hat podcast. Yeah, yeah, but but they were um, masters in their um, other positions. Whereas, like I, I brought a lawyer on who talked about who was an advocate for men, mm-hmm. and he would you know he talked about you know uh, what men can do um, and what they need to do as far as fathers and stuff like that. Okay. Gave some advice. Um, I brought a young lady in who. Um, had, you know, two, three years ago was sleeping on floors and who uh, now was a, uh, is an investor and has made quite a bit of money off of that and um, off of her uh, um, uh, Airbnb, you know, entrepreneurship and stuff like that. Um, I had a gentleman who uh, was a relationship expert, had him come in. Um, I had Huntsville's own Dapper Dude on there. So we okay. talked about, yeah. My boy Manny Fresh. Yeah, yeah. We talked about, you know, his come up and, you know, his business, how he went from um, making bow ties to, you know, um, starting uh, building this brand. Uh, it was funny because I actually met him, like, one of his first, I was one of his first uh, customers uh, because back in the day, um, I used to do some modeling, some big and tall modeling. And so he, he uh, one of the young ladies who has a modeling company here, she, she wanted men in her show. And so he was there to fit us for bow ties. For sure. Yeah. And so he, uh, that's when I met him and I actually, uh, he gave me the bow tie that I wore. So I had one of his first bow ties that he made. And so uh, we just kept in touch, you know, over time. Um, so I had him on. Um, but yeah, so it was called What's Happening? Okay. That was the name of the podcast. That was the name of the podcast show. So, so. Okay. Okay. So, I guess this is gonna be my last question. So, just like, what is some advice I guess that you would give, you know, for some inspiring entrepreneurs? What is something that you would say to them if you were to talk to an inspiring entrepreneur? So, I would say to you know, make sure your paperwork is right. Mm. You know, <clears throat> make sure all you know when it come, you know. One of the things that I did, because my ideas came so quick, I wanted to quickly get them out and move on them without having all my ducks in a row and having my paperwork together, you know, and stuff like that. Um, But I would say definitely get your paperwork right. You know, talk even talk to your business lawyer. Keep your business lawyer in your pocket or, you know, on your side or whatever, or on speed dial, shall I say. Um, Because, you know, you don't want to get hit with some stuff you know, after you put all this blood, sweat, and tears into something, and you know, you you find out that you actually can't continue doing it anymore, mm-hmm. or because somebody trademarked the name or something of that nature, and um, you know, you 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 can't mm-hmm. operate it anymore like that. So um, that was one of the things I did with um, <clears throat> with this um, with this business was I knew off the top that. Um, I wanted to to trademark quite a few things related to it, so I trademarked what's happening. Like nobody nobody else can use that without my permission. Um, it's funny because wow. Justin That's Bieber dope. Justin Bieber came out with Justin Bieber has a song called What's Happening, 
he spells it differently, and he they filed the paperwork, but they never completed it. Mm, right, got him. So yeah, got him. Yeah. So it's too it's, it's, <laughs> it's too late now. Um, so I uh, trademarked that, and I trademarked a couple other things. Um, just because I saw the future where this business would go, and I didn't, you know, want no issues or no problems with that. So I would say get your paperwork right, definitely, um, and just write your plan down. You know, write your plan down, be strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I tell um, people quite often is that, you know, for a long time in my entrepreneurial life, and even early on, I I believed in hustling, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can be hustling and not really making no moves. You know what I mean? Mm. You can be hustling and spinning your wheels. Spinning your wheels. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I use in my hashtags when I'm posting things, especially when it comes to inspiration and business, I say positioning over hustling. Mm -hmm. Right? But they both require movement. Okay. You know what I mean? This spot right here is a prime example of positioning. Mm -hmm. Right? Where is that? In the city of Huntsville. There's a niche here. It was lacking a, a hat business. This corner in this mall is a good position to be in. So it all relates, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have opened up a store in D.C. most likely. I could have opened up a pop, did a pop-up in D.C. But it just wasn't time, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It just wasn't time. I just never felt like that was the place to start for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw this, I knew you know, that was the first thing that came to mind. Like, this is the right position. Yeah. This is the right time. And so, you know, I, I stand by that when I say positioning over hustling. Because you got a lot of people out there hustling and thinking the hustling is the move. And I know that even, even, even you know, cats like Rick Ross that might have, you know, created a song off of it. Even yeah. him, with all the businesses that he now owns and operates, he'll probably tell you that, you know, I put myself in position to be able to be, where I'm at today by making these strategic moves, putting other people in position um, to, to operate some of his businesses and make sure that, you know, he was doing things right. So, um, yeah, I always say positioning over hustling, you know what I mean? So. I'm glad you spoke on that because that's something I just learned. And it's like I think the hustling spirit is something that gets you started. You know, when mm-hmm. you're young and you just know you want something, you don't know what you want, but you know you don't like what's around you right now. Hustling gets you off your butt. You're yeah. not one of those people that's just going to sit on the couch. Because that's even worse to me than, like, I'd rather at least see you trying. Mm-hmm. But, like, one thing I learned is, like, I love the positioning part because I think what I learned was, like, consistency over intensity. Right. What makes the business so hard mm-hmm. is that, like, you kind of you have to find a pace. And it takes focus because, like, you can't go too fast. Like, you can... You can't go too fast. Mm-hmm. But also, you can't stop either. Yeah. So, like, you got to wake up every day knowing that you got to want it just as bad as yesterday, but it's probably not going to come to fruition today. And it's probably not going to come to fruition the next day, but you still got to keep on like taking another step, taking another step. And like, I really love that one. Cause it's like, it's hard when you know it's going to take time. Yeah. It's going to take time. Yep. It's going to take time. So yep. position over position over hustling. I love that one. Yeah. I love that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Man, y'all dropping some great quotes right now. Y'all got me thinking I need to drop something. I felt that one. Though. I felt that one, man. Cause it's like, <laughs> that was good. Like, when you want it, bro, it's like you want it right then. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want it right then. Yeah. And and the thing is that too, you know, to add to that, um, is that you know every you know like I, I said about being strategic, it's like even the, where you at right now, you just got to consider that to be the position that you're in right now. But you got to be thinking about what your next 
move is going to be. How are you going to move yourself into your next position? And, 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 you know, one of the other analogies I give is like, you know, like when a quarterback throw the ball to the wide right receiver, he's not going to be successful with that until, unless that wide right receiver is in that certain position where he wants him to be to be able to catch that ball, yeah. right? But how did he get there? He had to move. He had yeah. to run. You know what I mean? So he had to hustle to that position. Yeah. So it's it's it, they, they're, they're both, you know, required, um, and they both require movement. So I'm not saying, you know, don't hustle, but what I'm saying is that don't hustle so much that you – you know, staying in the same place and you're just spinning your wheels and you never get to that next position. Yeah. You know? Running wild. You right, doing your right. paperwork. Exactly. Yep. You ran yep. past the spot where the quarterback <laughs> thought you, you was going to exactly. be. You, you, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So I guess my last question, too, is, like, what's your vision for, like, where do you want um, Nathan Mason Hats to be within the next few years? Like, what's your vision for Nathan Mason Hats? Yeah, so, you know, one of the one of the one 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 part of the vision is um, is it being a full brand. It's not just about hats for me, right? So um, I want to incorporate some clothing um, into this because you know what I'm convinced is that you know all these other brands out here. I don't care whether it's Versace, Polo, uh, Nike, any of them. Um, you know, they started with an idea as well. And, you know, they just had great marketing and they had people that believe in their brand. So, you know, for a minute, I doubted myself, like, um, you know, my, my, my logo is like a hat, you know what I'm saying? But it's a very, very unique logo that I, you know, I, I, I made the M turn into a hat, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so that's what I want people to see. You know, I want it that way because I want people to see when they think hats, I want them to see that hat. And so that's what I'm going to have, you know, on my, you know, shirts and, you know, things of that nature. Because if you can put a Nike swoosh on the shirt, I should have put an image of a hat on the shirt. That's what I was about to say. They you got know, a check mark. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you put a, a, a polo person on a shirt. Like, you know, it's yeah. just really all about, you know, getting the people to, um, believe in your brand just as much as you do. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, FUBU, you know, Fat Farm, yeah. you know, they got Rockerware, you know, they got people to believe in their brand and they put the marketing behind that. And so um, I see, you know, um, Nathan Mason Hats, you know, which is, you know, I call the clothing side of it, uh, the NMH brand. And so including clothing, um, I'm actually um, creating a um, – uh, a grooming line as well. Okay. Um, that's one of the other things I trademarked. Um, and, you know, and I can put it out there because I trademarked it. Um, but it's, it's going to be called Tilted Brim. Okay. Um, and so that's going to be the, the, the grooming line um, where, the, you know, we're, gonna, we're talking about uh, beard and um, um, I'm going to have a um, um, uh, cologne bomb, you know, not alcohol cologne, but a bomb with natural, uh, you know, ingredients in it, you know, stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's another piece of it. Um, also, um, the other thing I trademarked was uh, Brim Tilted Character Straight, and that's going to be a 501C uh, where I bring kids in and talk to them about the art of hat making. Um, but I also compare it to life because, as I mentioned about the process that hats go through, um, the stretching, the steaming, sometimes the fire, uh, you know, sometimes the uh, um, 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 going through put being on a block and stuff like that. 
Um, the I like that. I like that. <laughs> you see where I'm going with yeah, it? Yeah, I got you. And so that's the same thing that we kind of go through in life. Yeah. You know, the stretching, the steaming, the pulling, and things like that. But once that hat is finished, look how valuable it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing when it comes with people. No matter what we go through, we're still valuable. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I called it Brim Tilt the Character Straight. Um, um, and so, the, yeah, that's going to be, uh, you know, a, a 501c3 where I, you know, bring kids or go talk to kids, you know, about, about life and kind of compare the, the hat, compare life to hat making. Um, and then having some other, you know, boutiques, man, around, around in different cities, man. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal. That's dope. We love to see it. We love to see it. That's beautiful. Well, hey, I'm, I guess I'll wrap it up because this, um, we appreciate you, um, Reggie. Appreciate you for sure. And, um, yeah, so this was a beautiful um, segment. Uh, we're going to continue to connect with you. We wish you the best in this business. And um, that's all in audio experience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You guys, man. Thanks so much.